Okay, we'll go ahead and start us out here. Um, this is our weekly Bible study for, what is it, November 27th, is it? I don't know. That's Sunday after Thanksgiving. <laughs> I'm, I am going to get these, these uh, I, I think now I've got a little extra time here, I'm going to really try to get these sermons up online um, coming up. There's a... There's a, a website called Sermon Audio, and it's it's all pretty much fundamental King James preachers, and they've got a whole website where you can put all your sermons up there. I've already got them in the right format on this digital recorder. I've already got 20 sermons now, and I can just put them right up on the site and pay like 30 bucks a month, and you have your own website with all your sermons up there, unlimited sermons. It's great. So hopefully soon I'll be able to do that. Uh, I'm going to start us out with some current events today, some typically fun current events. This is something that I sent out last night, and it's entitled, Walmart Hits the Teens with Gay Porn How-To Manual. Walmart now. So they've got a graphic um, sexual education manual promoting lesbianism to teenage girls. This is Walmart. It's now offered for sale by Walmart. The material contains explicit directions for engaging in sexual acts. The book encourages same-sex experimentation. Telling girls that only 10% of the population is actually heterosexual. That's what this book says. Uh, while 80% is mixed or bisexual. That's what this book is promoting. So, all the more reason to go and shop at Walmart. You know, um, they're, they're wicked. Walmart is just stinking wicked. That's all I can really say. Um, they're giving a percentage of every single online sale to some major homosexual organization. Oh, they're giving a percentage of uh, their online sales to a major homosexual organization. Now, that may be, Doug, I, I saw, saw the news uh, last night, and they were saying that Walmart's Internet site is more, they've got so much activity on it that they, they had to shut it down. It was They've got so many people that they're buying stuff on their Internet site. Because, see, people... Right now, as the walls close in in America, more and more people are wanting to stay in their house. So what they're doing is they're doing a lot of their shopping online, where they don't have to deal with all the crowds and all the other things that you have to deal with Satan. Miss, I mean Christmas, sorry. And uh, so you, you've got uh, you've got all these people out there, the, the frenzied shopping. You know, you got to get your got to get your uh, your uh, pagan holiday gifts here coming, and uh, so. You got all this going on, and, and Walmart's doing such a business that they actually their website got totally overwhelmed. They had to shut it down for you know they, that was big news the other day. But um, yeah, Walmart Walmart's at the forefront of the new world order. I mean, they really are. They, they're they're the ones doing the RFID chips. In fact, I I found an RFID chip, and I oh here it is, right here. This is what Walmart, if you ever see these, you buy DVD, this was in one of Taylor's, um, she had a uh, DVD, and there was a just a little white piece of cardboard, and, and this was attached to it, and, and it was, all it was is this white piece of cardboard and this sticker, and the sticker's face down, and you look at, why is this in the box? Well, when you peel the sticker off, you'll see this is a radio transmitter. This is called a radio frequency identifi- identification chip. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's like that's like the the pre-runner to the mark of the beast in a way. I mean, that's the, the mark of the beast. You're gonna be able to track you. Now, granted, that's just purely pretty much a tracking chip. 
but they can actually track merchandise going out the door. Now, what right do they have to know where that merchandise is once a person buys it? But see, they're trying to get us used to that concept. So I wanted to bring that, because Walmart's at the forefront of that, too. Um, they're wicked. It's just wicked. No, no, this is good. Um, so anyway. Yeah, that's, that's what they are. That's what it is. Now, they've also got them the size of a, uh, like on the razors. They've got these, these new fusion razors and a lot of these razors. And if you flip the package over, there may be like one dot of one small eye, and, and you'll see a raised bump there, and they've got them that small, too. They've actually got them on that. So they've got all kinds of ways of tracking. Yeah, that, that's, that's another way they're doing it. I know you're talking, the, pl the plastic kind of, yep, yeah. They're mostly on the packaging, is, is usually what you'll get. Um, uh, they're doing it a lot now with higher-end items, like, um, uh, yeah, the TVs, the electronics, they're doing it a lot. Because, see, they haven't found a way to get the technology down enough where they can do it on everything. They want to do it on everything. But, I mean, thimbles, whatever, they want to have it on everything. But they haven't found a way to actually quite get to that point yet and still have it be cost-effective. Um, next little thing I was going to cover, I just got this last night too. This is um, from Cutting Edge. Um, major religious shock of the year. Now, this was his, he ran out a separate email for this. Rick Warren, founder of the Purpose Driven Church movement. Now, we talked a lot about Rick Warren. He's like the, he's like the Pied Piper of the Christian New Age, is what he is. He's wrote this book called The Purpose Driven Church. It's the number one bestseller in all, it's, it's, it's pathetic. It's lukewarm, pathetic uh, uh, drivel. And, uh, but all the Christians eat it up because, you know, it's feel good and all this other stuff. And Pastor Rick Warren revealed this week that he's a member of the Council of Foreign Relations. <laughs> he's a member of the CFR. Now, that's what they refer to as CFR. Now, the CFR would be just like being a member of, uh, you've heard of organizations, there's one called the Bilderbergers. There's, I think, what they call like the Committee of 300, the, the, um, the Trilateral Commission. It would be no different than being a member of the United Nations. Uh, we're talking, if you're a member of the Council of Foreign Relations, you're real, real high up. You're like, this is the, this is the, these are the people like presidents of the world, uh, uh, ambassadors, center. These are people at the, at near, getting near the top of the food chain here, the Illuminati. Okay, the Illuminati would basically be that one world uh, satanic-driven organization that really is at the head of all of the um, the New World Order push. They All the organizations that, 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 that Satan is, is using, you would say, if you had to have one organization at the very, 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 very top, it would be the Illuminati. And the Illuminati is really composed of the 13 families that run the world. Okay, The top of that family hierarchy are the Rothschilds, and then you have the Rockefellers and the DuPonts and the Astors and the Bundys and the Krupps and these types of families that have been around. You refer to them as old money or blue bloods, these type of people. These are the people that basically run the world. Our presidents and people that we have set up in government, yes, they're part of that problem, but, but many times they're not actually members of those families. They're just figureheads that are put in place, and they're like puppets on strings. They're controlled by these 13 families that essentially run everything. Now, Rick Warren, he's actually 
admitted this week he's a member of the CFR, which is, it's just, it's getting so blatant. It's just unbelievable. Now, this was from, this was from Joseph Fair at World Daily Net. He put this article out. Um, Rick Warren, the superstar megachurch pastor and best-selling author of The Purpose Driven Lie, I mean, Life, sorry, had a, uh, had a Damascus Road experience last week. And like Saul of Tarsus, one of the after-effects appears to be blindness. <laughs> That's pretty good. Warren went to Syria. Now, I don't know if you know this. Rick Warren went to Syria. This I think we talked about it last week. He went to Syria. Now, Syria is a basically a Muslim nation that persecutes, hates the Jews, and, um, uh, you know, they're no different, really, than, than Iran or Iraq or all, any of these other Muslim nations, okay? But he went to Syria, and he could find no persecution of Christians. Boy, he must have really had his magnifying glass out. He could find no persecution of Jews. Now, that's even more unbelievable. Because they hate Jews. I mean, the, the Muslims' creed is to destroy the Jew. Period. They, they have to have him dead. He said he could find no evidence of extremism either. <laughs> this guy, he's unbelievable. Oh, he's such a liar from the pit of hell. Um, he could find no evidence of sponsorship of terrorism either. Oh, okay, so he goes over to the Middle East where terrorism is basically, where the Islamic extremism and Muslims, that's where they've originated. And he can find no evidence of any of this. Right. But that's not the story Warren is telling, at least not the official press releases he's sending out from Rwanda. In response to, to my confrontations, now this is Joseph Farah, he confronted him last week, in which I accused him of betraying his own country in a hostile foreign land and being a propaganda tool for the Islamo-fascist regime in Damascus. Which sounds like this is exactly what he was doing. At least this Joseph Fair got that right. Now, I'm not saying I agree with everything on World Daily Net, because I don't think they carry it far enough. But I, th I think he pretty much nailed this, this one here. It says, in fact, after I called him out last week in my column, Warren emailed me, claiming to have, misquoted, claiming to have been misquoted by the Syrian news agency. Um, then he said, Joseph, why didn't you contact me first and discover the fact that I'd said nothing of the sort he pleaded? He let me know he's a close friend of President Bush and many, if not most, of the generals of the Pentagon. That doesn't matter to me. They're all, they're all evil at this point. Bush, that doesn't, that doesn't impress me at all. Um, see, that's why anybody that, that's really operating in the truth, you cannot be at friends with the world. You can't be saying, well, I'm, I'm, I'm pro-Bush, and, and, and we're against those bad guys, and, and you're deceived. You're totally deceived, because yes, I'm not saying they're not bad guys, but the problem is, is these are bad guys too. So no matter what way you turn it, what way you flip that coin, it's all corrupt. Um, that's why, when you look at all the Christians throughout history, all the ones that were martyred, and the ones that, I mean, they were pretty much... Um, meeting in small groups like we're doing right now. Because there wasn't this big, there was never a big, gigantic group of people in any one given place that got together and, and exerted their influence to truth. Because most people don't want to operate in truth. Most people can't handle the truth. That's the problem. That's what I see everywhere. And so, he says, he also told me not to tape anything while in Syria. He, he that he did not tape anything while in Syria because it was a courtesy call, like I do in every country, whatever that means. Um, okay, so then he said, in fact, Warren added, as a member, and this is what Warren said as a quote, as a member of the Council of Foreign Relations, 
and Oxford Analytica, I don't know what that means, I might know as much about the Middle East as you. Now, he was saying this to Joseph Farah. Now, he, he admitted right there, he says, now, did you catch what J Rick Warren just said? He says, as a member of the Council of Foreign Relations. Now, that is huge. That is so huge when he says he's a... I have never seen a pastor or one of these so-called... I mean, even Billy Graham or none of these other guys, I've never seen them come out and say... I'm a member of the Trilateral Commission. I'm a member of the Bilderbergs. I'm a member of the CFR. He's admitted it. That's big. I mean, how much more blatant can you get? Rick Warren has just admitted to being a member of the, the Illuminist Institution, which controls America's political machine. From the White House to the Congress to the Supreme Court, Rick Warren is leading the church because he is a member of the CFR and has been taking orders from them for a very long time. See, he really is. Rick Warren is probably... Of all people in America, because Billy Graham, he's on his way out. I mean, he's, he's, he's almost an invalid right now. Rick Warren has been the one that's been given, that Billy Graham's really passed the baton to. The New World Order, lukewarm apostasy, satanic church. He's passed that, that satanic church baton to Rick Warren. He's the head, really is. Um, now, I know we've talked about in previous weeks where President Bush is considered the head of the modern-day Christian movement, but he's not a member, he's not a head of the official church, really. And most, I mean, there are some people that are wising up to him, but still, they, he, he has a lot of support. Um, Ted Haggard, we talked about him, the homosexual pastor that, that's head of the Evangelical Association of Christians. He's still not as big as Rick Warren. Rick Warren's, remember, remember the, 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 uh, the, the rap video I showed you? Okay, that was Rick Warren's purpose-driven worship conference of 2006, where he opened up with that rap, that, that punk rap star. That, but he's Christian, so that's okay, you know. Oh, that's okay. Um, so, so um, he, he's a member of the CFR, and he's admitted it now. Um, and that is why the purpose-driven church has simply exploded in wealth and sheer growth in the past 25 years. See, there is a benefit to serving Satan in this life. Because if you really sell out to him, you'll get money. And, and prestige and power many times. I mean, if, if you do, you know, if, if I'm not saying that happens every time. But for people at the top, it typically will. I mean, if they're, if they're willing to sell their soul to that point, and that's what he has. Now, Rick Warren admitted that he met with the Illuminati banker, Peter Drucker, at least once per year. Now, this is some more proof. Uh, once, once we realized this fact, we understood that from whence the purpose-driven churches were getting their seemingly endless supply of funds. Even though they did not pass the collection plate and made no appeals for money, the movement had so much cash that they were able to build the biggest and best-equipped churches on the planet. Now, I didn't know that. Um, in other words, the Illuminati was directly funneling money into this... I mean, that's, that's where you want your money coming from. You want your money coming from the most wicked people on earth. I mean, it's pretty bad when you've got the, the wickedest organization on the planet building your church, building your ministry. I mean, you talk about if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? <laughs> I mean, that, that's just unbelievable. Um, so this Mac Dominic guy, the guy that works with David Bay, he's one of his main guys that, that also does uh, video and audio exposés on the apostasy of the church. Mac Dominic and I became convinced that Rick Warren's purpose-driven church is the fulfillment of the Laodicean Church of Revelation 3. Um, <clears throat> now, this is... It says, listen to Jesus' Jesus's prophetic words concerning the exceedingly wealthy church. 
for you say I'm rich and prospered and grown wealthy and I'm in need of nothing. Now that's that's a paraphrase. That's in the uh, amplified. But that's that's um. In other words, that's what the Laodicean church an earmark of that. That I'm rich, um, I'm wealthy, I, I'm in need of nothing. And then Jesus goes on to say, but you're actually blind, wretched, naked, weak, poor, but you can't see it. That's and then he says, and then I counsel thee to buy of me eye salve that thou can see. And gold tried in the fire. Now, the gold tried in the fire is the trial of our faith. The eye salve that we can see, I'm not 100% sure exactly what that would relate to. I, I think that, that that relates to truth. You have to want to see to embrace truth. That's the thing. Truth is what sets you free. The Bible says that. If you continue my word, then you're my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Well, if you Now, what's the greatest truth that we could ever possibly embrace in this world? Well, it's the Word of God. So, the Word of God is the highest level of truth that we could... If we only had one thing to, ha to hold on to, it's the Word of God, period. So, that truth can set you free and open your eyes. And I think this is one of the reasons why the people that are in this room are sitting here. Because we haven't been afraid to embrace truth. That's why we're also ostracized from the church. That's why we've come out of the church. Because there's so much... Truth that's being withheld. Now, I'm not saying you couldn't go to a church week in and week out and hear a good sermon. And a sermon that you might be in agreement with. But the problem is, this is what they're not saying. It's, it's that they're never getting into this type of stuff. They're not exposing the evil. Now, light, we're called as Christians to be light and salt light. Light always exposes darkness. But I don't see a lot of that going on in the church. I don't see a lot of the church exposing darkness. And that's why people like the, the people in this room and, and probably the people that would be listening to this would be hated because the modern day apostate lukewarm church wants their sin and they don't want anybody to shed light on them. And that's why uh, a guy like Rick Warren appeals to them so much because Rick Warren says you keep your sin. That, there's no real concept of sin. You keep sinning and living like the devil. That's okay. I mean, it's, it's alright. And... and, and um, um, you know, just, it's seeker-friendly, come as you are, you don't have to change, I mean, we, we love you just the way you are, just like Jesus does, and, and there, there's real no evidence of conversion, um, but what it does do is when they go there every week, it's a social club, and they also feel like, hey, I'm going to church, and, and I'm getting to keep my sin, what a deal, what a bargain, well, that's why you have the mega churches, because that appeals to a lot of people, they like that. So, um, anyway, that's, uh, that's that's about Rick Warren. That's pretty heavy duty. Um, did you want that? Um, now I got a couple emails also from Tex Mars this week. I can't say hundred percent sure. Now you gotta understand, Tex Mars would be the opposite stance of what Joseph Ferris said when it comes to the um, Jews. Tex Mars has gotten to the point where he's totally, um, I would have to say, anti-Semitic. Now Tex Mars would argue with me. And Tex has been on my email list for a long time. And he, he wasn't always this way to this extent, but in recent years, he's really gone off, I think, the deep end, condemning the Jews. And the Bible says, blindness in part has happened to the Jew until the fullness of the Gentile come in. It also says that, that has God abandoned the Jew? No, it says he has not abandoned. And he says that they are still beloved for the elect's sake. So now, 
we got to be real careful in throwing the baby out with the bathwater, which is essentially what a lot of Christians have done. Now, we've got two extreme opposing Christian views. We have, like, the dominionists and the people that believe in what they call British Israelism, where they believe that they're going to bring in the kingdom, that the promises that were, that were made to the physical lineage of the Jews now applies to the Christian. Okay? And that the Jews, God's done dealing with the Jews. Okay? And then you've got the other extremes where they, like Hagee, Pastor John Hagee, and a lot of the uh, uh, Christians, uh, or modern day apostate Christians, where they'll say that, you know, the Jew can do no wrong. He's got to get out of free pass. He's got to get out of jail free pass. All he's got to be is a Jew. He's going to heaven. Now you got that going on too. And again, what I'm always trying to get to is let's have balance here. You know? I mean, the Bible's clear. On this, and if you read the New Testament, it goes over and over and over again on on why this has happened to the Jew, why they've been blinded. When they went to Pilate and they said, "Crucify him," speaking of Jesus, "Crucify him," give us Barabbas, and then they said, "Let his blood, meaning Jesus's blood, be upon us, the Jews, and our children." Well, when they did that, they brought a gigantic generational curse on themselves, and they asked for the curse. Now, does that mean I think I'm better than a Jew? No, it doesn't. But I'm telling you, you don't have to look any farther than that to understand why the Jewish race has been pretty much cursed. Now, they had hard times before Jesus came, and they had real hard times after. They have been, um, and they've been unrepentant for the most part. Uh, in fact, when uh, the temple was ransacked in, what was it, was it 62 AD? And, 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 and uh, they were forced to flee. The religious Jews fled to Babylon. Okay, now not a lot of people know this, but that's where we get the Babylonian Talmud from. Now the Talmud is, is a Jewish book that's by, like the precursor to the Kabbalah, which is the Jewish mysticism book. The Talmud is a wicked, wicked book that, that many of the modern day Messianic Jews embrace the people that are like the Jews for Jesus, they believe that you've still got to do all of the, uh, a lot of the formal um, things that were, were comprised in the law, and they're bound by the law, and they believe that you still have to keep these things. But the Babylonian Talmud has all these extra biblical, biblical things in there, and they, they call Jesus all these names, and, 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 and blaspheme Jesus, and, and say it's okay to have sex with little children. Um, uh, it's all kind of nasty stuff in the Babylonian Talmud. And I've seen book, chapter, and verse where they say these things. I've got a whole video that documents it. So now, yes, the, the, the Jews have pretty much lived a cursed existence ever since then. Now, the Bible does say blindness in part has happened to Jews. So that, that means there are, and you notice, there are some Jews that actually are saved. It says in part. It doesn't say blindness in totality has happened to the Jew. to the full. So there are some Jews that can and still see the light. And I think you're going to see more and more and more of that because, um, I mean, personally, I don't see how a Jew could um, could look at the life of Jesus and not see how it didn't fulfill all these prophecies in the old in the Old Testament. I mean, it's their Old Testament. So anyway, I've, I've covered that in the past. Um, but Tex Mars is is really um, he. I think he carries it way, way, way overboard in condemning the Jew. I think he goes way too far with this. And I would be very careful um, in following blindly all of his teachings because of that. Um, he basically blames the Jew for everything. And I'm not saying a lot of these people at the very, very highest levels, like the Rothschilds, who are Jewish, like the Rockefellers, like many of these Illuminati family, that they don't have Jewish blood. Okay, I'm not saying that. 
But does that mean I throw the whole Jewish race out with the bathwater? Because we know, according to the Bible, that in Revelation, the emphasis is going to come back to the Jew during the tribulation. We know there's going to be 12 tribes. We know that there's going to be 12,000 out of 12 tribes. There's going to be 144,000 Jews that go and preach the gospel. They're going to be Jewish male virgins. It says it very clearly in the Bible. So now, how can we sit back and just throw the Jews out? But you know what I've heard? I've seen Christians do? They'll spiritualize that and say, oh, well, those tribes are really just Christians. That, the, that's your interpretation. No, it's not. It's the Word of God. It's black and white. I mean, how do you get where you name the names of the tribes? I mean, the only tribe that's not included is the Dan, Danites, which is an interesting point, and that's a whole other study, but, you know, it says there's the, the tribe of Issachar and Napoli and all these... How do you spiritualize that into a Gentile race? Well, anyway, I believe that blindness is going to be lifted at least in part when the tribulation starts. And I think it's really going to be lifted at the midpoint of the three and a half year tribulation when Satan goes into the Holy of Holies, or into the Antichrist, goes into the Holy of Holies and proclaims himself to be God. What is that called? It's called the abomination of desolation. Okay. And then, they're gonna, then it's going to get real nasty. Then he's going to really show his true colors. Then their eyes are going to be really opened. And then they're going to know what kind of mess they got themselves into by making a... Uh, by 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 uh, getting into this um, this covenant, this um, this agreement that they made at the very beginning of the tribulation with this man, then they're going to really know. Most likely, his headquarters is going to be in Jerusalem, uh, because that's where the temple is going to be rebuilt at. So anyway, um, I don't know. I, I kind of got off on a tangent there, but he he's got an article this week, uh, and this may or may not happen. I don't know, but he put out an urgent email. I've never seen him do this before. And it was called Important News Flash. He says it's urgent each of us understand what it may be about to transpire. Now, I look at this because I figure Tex Mars has a lot more access to insider information than I do. Now, granted, I'm pretty, I'm pretty well connected at this point because I've been doing this a long time. I'm working with news organizations now. And I've got a lot of people in my newsletter list that forward me stuff. And I get a lot of good material from this. Um... So I figure, you know, Tex Mars, of, of anybody, he's going to have some kind of comprehension on, on, on some things that could be going on. And he says that, um, number one, Israelis' Air Force and Navy, armed with missiles and munitions provided to them by the USA, will attack and severely damage one of our carriers, killing many of our servicemen. And that seems pretty unbelievable, but that's actually already happened. It happened, I believe, in the late 60s. Um, there was a big, I, I watched a, an online YouTube video on that um, the other day, or it wasn't the other day, but it was a couple months ago, on this very thing where we've already, where this has already happened one time, where the Israelis have attacked one of our ships, and they blame it on whoever, the terrorists, and that incites us into war, okay? And then, number two, the savage attack will be blamed on Iran, but it's Prime Minister Amaha Shadeen. Now see, Bush is trying to find an excuse to attack Iran right now. They're saying, well, they've got the capabilities of making nuclear warheads, and they're too much of a threat, and, and they need to be stopped. Okay. Then it says, three, the U.S. will launch massive counter airstrikes and naval bombardments at Iran, targeting that nation's entire military infrastructure. In other words, this is an excuse for us to go to war. Number four, the U.S. and Israel will simultaneously execute a media propaganda blitz to persuade the U.S. populace 
the world that Iran is the aggressor. Now, we did, we got the same deal on 9-11. 9-11 was a big, total stinking lie. It's been proved a hundred different ways to Sunday that there's so many things that trans- transfer, uh, transpired on 9-11 with the trade centers, with the Pentagon. That's a whole other 10-hour lecture. Just that alone, proving that thing out. And we were, we were totally sold a bill of goods and a lie. Now, these are the same people in power, and they've only gotten more corrupt, and they've only gotten more um, bold and brazen. So I see no problem with this, uh, why they wouldn't want to do this. They're going to they're gonna try to um, persuade the U.S. sheep populace and the world that Iran is the aggressor. In other words, it's Iran's fault. They did this to us. Uh, now remember, war is always the biggest money-making machine. World War One, World War Two, Korean War, Vietnam, all these wars were all contrived. Every single one of them. Well, well what does that mean, Brother Johnson? Does that mean that, that Germany wasn't really evil and, and, and the Japanese weren't evil and they didn't have evil intentions? I'm not saying they didn't have evil intentions. I'm saying, though, that the wars were created and the money that were put behind, particularly Hitler, was money coming from the same corporations that make all the profits off war. Okay? These companies that fund both sides of the war. What a game! What a racket! You can, you can fund both sides of the war, like Standard Oil, for instance. Standard Oil, which is the Rockefeller-owned oil company, was the one selling oil to both the American and the British and the Allied troops and the Germans. They were both getting, they were selling them both ways, so they were making all this money. The people that, that, that uh, manufactured much of the, um, the munitions, things of this nature, many times were selling to both sides. They were making bolts for both sides. Hey, they're making tons of money. Not what's that? Bush family Yeah, the Bush family were Hitler's bankers. Yeah, I mean it's it's so unbelievable. I mean, IG Farben was the, was one of the main companies that was behind the um, really the, the main driving monetary force behind Hitler. They were the ones that took this failed house painter. That's what Hitler was. He was a failed house painter. They took this failed house painter and elevated him up. Again, he was a figurehead. He's like Bush. He's a figurehead. He didn't have the, he didn't have the money, but I.G. Farben did. Now, where, what did I.G. Farben do? Well, I.G. Farben was a, was originally a tool and dye company in Germany. They went on to be the, the start of the modern day pharmaceutical industry. You ever heard of Bayer aspirin? Well, that's where I.G. What's where Bayer came out of I.G. Farben. T.D.K. Um, they, they're the ones that had that commercial. We don't make the products you buy. We make the products you buy better. Uh, TDK, uh, Bear Aspirin, um, ah, there's one other one too. Anyway, they were the driving, they were the ones, IG Farben was the ones that made the nerve gas that was used at Auschwitz to gas the Jews. I've seen pictures of the bottles where their name was right on it. And in the Bear Company, I mean, Bear, Bear is one of the most wicked companies on earth. I put out several emails on them just recently. So, you, you've got these companies that are just wicked to the core. They were the driving monetary force behind Hitler. And they were the ones that put him in a position where he could do all this stuff. I mean, th- this, this war was incalculable, the amount of money that was spent. But there was a lot of money that was ultimately made off this war. Well, um, they're going to they're gonna paint Iran as the aggressor and the Amahashadin as another Hitler. And exactly what we did back then, you know. And that the U.S. military actions were simply counter-retaliation for the 
Iran's Pearl Harbor like assault on the U.S. side. You, you know, we knew about Pearl Harbor a week before it even happened. But we would say oh, it was this surprise attack. We never knew nothing. That's why we were... Do you know that when Pearl Harbor got attacked, that, the, that our military, that our government actually stacked planes where they actually pointed them all nose to nose so it would be easier targets for the, for the Japs to bomb. So it would make it easier for them to kill them. Do you know that there was, a, there was a newspaper article the week before in the Honolulu Times where it said, attack imminent. Yet they say it was this surprise attack that we never knew nothing about. Um, it was, I believe FDR was the president who was one of the most wicked presidents that we've ever had, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, who's also a member of the Illuminati. Um, he knew everything about it. He, he told, in fact, they were in, as far as I'm concerned, they were in collusion with the Japanese in order to get this done, in order to incite this world war. So we would go to war, and, and they knew it would take some big, gigantic event to get us into World War II. Because um, we had to have some type of, of big-time event where we were actually threatened in order for us to get into this war so that that money-making war machine could be fed. And not only that, for a Satanist, they view war as continual human sacrifices to Satan. Because men are dying every single day. And that is very, very, very pleasing to the people at the, at the occult hierarchy because Satan is a cruel taskmaster and in order to please him it requires blood. The sacrifice of humans in order to appease him. Sometimes that sacrifice is actually at a ritual ceremony. Sometimes it's actually in the, in the guise of war. And not only that, these people are fighting who they think they're fighting for the good guys and really it's just two, it's just two wicked sides of the same corrupt coin. Um, unfortunately, Virtually all of our wars have been the same deal. And um, it's very, very sad, but that's the case. So, um, then the end result of all this is many servicemen will be slain and wounded. Tens of thousands of Iranians will be dead. Iran's economy will be spoiled. Israel on top. Oil prices will skyrocket again. Now, that's, um, that will be another reason to, you know, make us pay, who knows, four or five bucks for a gallon of gas. Who knows what it would go up to if this happens. Um, Israeli Prime Minister Omer at the moment here is in the... Now, here, here's how I view that. You notice how gas prices have went down? You notice how they went down right before the elections? Huh. What if that had anything to do with maybe the Republicans who, who were in control of, of the Congress? Now, granted, I, I'm not saying Democrat-Republican. It's two same sides of the corrupt coin. But, it appeared to me as though that was a ploy that the Republicans did, because they're the ones that are really in very much control of the oil, because Bush is, is an oil family, Cheney's oil family. Um, I believe they did that in order to kind of appease the people prior to the elections, and now after the elections are done, they don't have to keep up the facade anymore, so that I wouldn't be surprised if the oil rights prices skyrocket again. Um, now, that's my theory. It may not ha I hope it doesn't, but it's a matter of time before it does at some point. Um, so, Right now, uh, Israeli Prime Minister Omar at this moment is here on a five-day visit, meeting with the Bush House officials. Now, I didn't know that, but that means that he's probably meeting with the Bush people in order to potentially uh, orchestrate this whole thing that, that's being laid out here. Now, because this is out on the Internet, it may not happen. Okay, There's been a lot of things that have come out on the Internet that once they get exposed as truth then they can't implement their plan anymore. See, they got to keep this stuff in secret to really implement it right. That's why I was hoping that if I did this tour in the avian flu, maybe it wouldn't happen. Maybe that because it was all government created. 
Well, praise God, as of this point, it hasn't happened. And that's kind of died down a little bit. Now, that threat is still there just as much as it ever was with the avian flu. In fact, I still get emails all the time. They're still meeting behind closed doors. They're still having this flu, the bird flu summits. That's still all going on. It's just that they've kind of went underground. Maybe they're going to try to, uh, maybe they've got a lot more, um, I don't know, planning to do in that regard. But that's what my motivation is for getting, partially my motivation for getting this news out, because I want people to know the truth, and if the Illuminati knows that they've been found out or had, typically they won't implement something. You know, they're not going to implement it if they've been exposed. So, um, um, meanwhile, President Bush is now off on an extended jaunt to Asia and Europe. According to press reports, he stopped off in Moscow to meet with Russia's President Putin. In Europe, Bush will confer with the NATO leaders. Again, we see the handwriting on the wall. Now, if they do this, they're going to be in, in probably in alignment with the United Nations. Even though the United Nations, I don't know how the United Nations will feel, but if they can, if they can pin this on Iran and say Iran was the aggressor, the United Nations may be behind um, Israel and, um, of course, the Muslim nations won't be no matter what. But what it'll do, most likely, is create a, uh, a standoff between the Muslim nations, Russia and China, and now you have Israel and America. It may, this may be the World War III scenario that the Antichrist can arise out of the ashes. The problem is, is if this is the World War III scenario, we're probably going to get nuked in America, most likely. Now, if you think about it, getting nuked wouldn't be a bad way to go. I mean, if you were right under a nuclear bomb and it hit you, you're not going to suffer real long. You're, you're, you're vaporized, man. You're in glory. Praise God. Personally, I think that wouldn't be a bad way to go. Um, and I know that's kind of rough, but, I mean, you know, looking at what the future holds, um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised one bit. Um, so what they're saying is they're getting their ducks all in a row to terminate Iran as a potential counter to Israel. Believe me, the Pelosi, Reid, Clinton, Schumer Congress will not object. I submit that they have already read, already been briefed on what is to come. All but a handful of our elected representatives are in the pocket of the Jewish lobby. Now, granted, I'm not saying the Jewish people, the Zionists, these people at the very, very top, aren't the ones in control. Because I do think they are. But I'm still not going to throw the whole Jewish race out with the bathwater. I will not do that. I don't have a biblical recourse to do that. Now, and then it goes on to say, the goal, of course, is to complete the Israel um, control over the Middle East and its rich stores of oil. And to that traitor send countless young men and women of our armed forces will shed blood, not to mention the blood being spilled already in Lebanon, Gaza, and in Iraq by innocent Arabs. Now, I have a real problem with innocent Arabs. I, I just do. I have a real problem. I'm not saying they're all wicked, evil people. But if you look in the Quran and you, look, and you go by the Quran, and if you are a strict Muslim, it says kill and slay the Christians and the Jews. It says that. So, I, I'm sorry. I don't buy into that. It's almost like... Tex Mars has really, really went off the deep end with a lot of his, his stuff with supporting the Arabs. Um, it says here, by innocent Arabs, most of whom long for peace and survival. Give me a break. Give, you're telling me that the typical Arab wants to live in peace with the Jew. No, they don't. They want to kill the Jew. There's been enough documentation up there to prove that. And if they don't want to kill the Jew, you know what? They're a lukewarm Muslim. Yeah. Mine is a 
record this. Yeah, we were we were just talking and discussing how, you know, there there is this. There's no balance really in the church. Even the church that we were at before, um, the 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 preacher there, you, the Jews could do no wrong. I mean, it, it was like, well, we are supporting the Jews and bless God and all these other things. And 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 listen, I am for America supporting Israel. I am for that, but. That doesn't mean I think everything going on in Israel is of God, because they're obviously not saved, and they're obviously um, caught in false religion, and they're obviously wrapped up in the law still, and, it, and it's one of the wickedest places. In fact, they're going to actually, I, I believe they've, they've actually renamed Tel Aviv as the gay capital of the world. They have that big gay festival there every year. Now, for two years in a row, it's been canceled. So praise the Lord. It was canceled again this year. I forgot to tell you that. It got canceled again this year. So it was the it was they had this the the in Israel. Now, you think about it, that's the biggest abomination in God's eyes there is, is when you have sodomy and, and homosexuality, and all you have to do is look at Sodom and Gomorrah and a lot of the things that went on to know that. Well, where would Satan, if he could defile one place on the planet, where would Satan try to defile the most in a preemptive way? He wants to I mean, Satan knows it's coming. What did he do to the promised land? Well, what he did is, is he put all of his giant races, the Anunnaki and, and, and the Rephaim and all these giant races, pre-positioned in the promised land before the Jews got there. And then when they got in there, they said, oh, there's giants, we're as grasshoppers. We can't take a people this large. Well, he did that on purpose because he knew that God had, had, had given them this promise of the promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey, and so what he did is he prepositioned his evil there in order to be a discouragement. Okay? Well, that's a very, very similar situation um, than what we were talking about. I totally lost track. What was I, what was I relating that to? Um, yeah, we need balance. Oh, oh, no, here's, but, but th here's what I was relating that to. Okay, so we know, that we know Satan, that's one of his tactics. He always will, if he can, preemptively... Put his agenda or his people in a place where God's promised something to happen that's good. Okay, he did it with the promise line. Now Satan's, Satan is no different than he was then. I believe he's doing the same thing in Israel now, uh, because Israel right now is a wicked place. I mean, Tex Mars does have a video it's called like the Cauldron of Abaddon, where he shows all the wicked, 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 wicked stuff that's going on in Israel right now. I mean, it'd be hard for me to believe that they've got anything on us, but granted, I believe Tel Aviv is the gay capital of the world at this point, and I believe they are, they are really trying to push that agenda. And I do believe the Kabbalah is one of the overriding religions, uh, Jewish mysticism, satanic religions in uh, the Jews. But he also, know, he also knows that ultimately that's where Jesus is going to be returning. And Jesus is going to come down and split the Mount of Olives, okay? And he's going to, um, you know, the whole thing about the New Jerusalem and, and um, you know, reigning on the earth for a thousand years and these types of things, he's trying to preposition his satanic forces in that very area where he knows that, that Jesus is really going to be coming back to. We have the Battle of Armageddon. We have all these things going on over there. So I believe if there was ever an area on the earth right now that Satan was going to target, wouldn't it make sense that it'd be Israel? Well, is there is it any wonder that all these Middle East wicked, evil Muslim nations are bearing down on Israel and trying to destroy Israel um, that 
I mean, I mean, the, the way text, you, you read text Mars, the way you read his, you'd almost think that God had nothing to do with them bringing back into the land in 1948, or them becoming a nation, even though that fulfilled biblical prophecy. There's a lot of things, there's a lot of Bible verses you will have to ignore, and text Mars has to ignore, in order to justify his position. Because I read the Bible... And I read they're still beloved for the elect's sake, and the blanks and parts is happening in the Jews until the fullness of the Gentile come in, and that the emphasis is going to go back to the Jews during the tribulation. And it's almost like Tex Mars has to, has to ignore a whole bunch of Bible in order to justify his position. That's dangerous. You don't want to ignore any piece of doctrine in order to justify your own position. That's what the modern day church does constantly. Now, at least Tex Mars, he has the right Bible, he has the King James Bible. Well, thank you for the copy. Um, so, um, the goal, of course, is to complete... Okay, we already read that. Um, so, he says, Friend, never forget that the single-minded goal of the traders is the Israel control and superiority in the Middle East. Now, please. Israel has been pursued, beaten from pillar to post. They've given up almost most of the land that they were given when they first got in there in 1948. Now they've got this little sliver of land, and Tex Mars is basically accusing them of wanting world domination of the Middle East. Yet they're the ones that have had all their land stripped from them, and they keep giving it and giving it and giving it away. I don't see that. I can understand if they were like this tyrant, tyrannical force, and all the Arabs were like, oh, we, we don't... But it's not like that. It's the exact opposite. Um, and then he says, they want to do this to ensure that the world's principal source of oil will be possessed by the Zionist-owned oil corporation. Well, I'm sorry, but I, I don't agree with him on all this. Now, he's got, okay, he says, well, these, this carrier is going to be attacked over here. Well, this is from Reince.com. There are four carriers right now, they're claiming, that are in the um, the waters around the Middle East. Or, um, and one of them is the USS Eisenhower. they got a picture of it here. Now, the other carrier is the USS Enterprise. Now, that's the one that um, Captain Kirk is the head of. Captain Kirk and Spock from Star USS Enterprise. Sorry, I lost control there. Carrier USS Boxer. And then the... Boxer? Ah, oh, let's see there. And then the carrier USS Iwo Jima. So, right now, there's four carriers right now in these waters that could be attacked. Uh, the presence of these carriers combined with the Israel's talk of an Iranian strike sort of makes a person wonder if Bush is up to something. Salt carriers and full carriers, this is an odd predicament. No one will stand for another invasion with thousands of dead U.S. servicemen. If America was to attack, it would be nuclear. But something needs to happen to enrage the U.S. public to allow the nukes, just like Pearl Harbor, just like almost every war we've ever got into. If Israel attacked Iran and, I Iran and, um, Iran and Iran nuked Tel Aviv, Half the world would celebrate, and the other half would be holding back the chuckles. The only workable scenario is if Bush plans on going into Iran, there must be a massive attack on the 5th Fleet or a nuke in the American city. The trouble is, Israel knows this too. So in other words, if Bush is going to pull this off, um, of course, I don't want to just say Bush, because it's Bush's handlers. He's the puppet on the string, okay? It's so easy to focus on Bush and say he's the evil. But the Bible even says we battle not against flesh and blood. It's the princes, principalities, rulers of wickedness in high places. It's Satan who's really setting this thing up. He's just using his people who, who happen to be human beings here on this planet in order to do his bidding. 
Um, so this is something that I think that in prayer we can pray about because that's about the only way you can really fight this battle is, is through prayer. Getting the, getting the truth out. I, I put this email out. I, I wasn't dogmatic about it. I just forwarded it. I didn't want to say I was in total agreement with everything Tex Mars says because I'm not. I never am anymore. Um, but the, he may he may have a big point there. I don't know. Um, and then the, la- the, other, the last article he put out was called The White House Bordello. And um, um, I'll just read this. Ted Haggard, pastor of a 140,000 member New Life Church in Colorado Springs and head of the 30 million strong National Evangelicals after being outed as a crystal mess-snorting sodomite guilty of paying male prostitutes for sex and drugs, reluctantly admitted, quote, I am a deceiver and a liar. Now, I've went over this the last three weeks about Ted Haggard being a deceiver and a liar. He's admitted it. Now, isn't it way past the time yet another high-profile sodomite, a cocaine abuser, shamelessly guilty of hiring male prostitutes to service him, also finally stepped forward and also admit, I too am a deceiver and a liar. Now, who are we talking about here? Who is this other... Who is this other... Um, sodomite, cocaine snorter who hires male prostitutes. Who, who's this other guy? I'm referring, of course, to George W. Bush, our president. Current occupant of the nation's number one political job, the presidency. This may be quite a shock to some readers, but mo- most folks in Washington, D.C., oh, we already know what I'm going to reveal here. Yes, they know that George W. Bush is a bisexual and a procurer of male prostitutes. Many insiders snicker and laugh and at the brain-dead Christian evangelicals who actually believe that George W. is a God-fearing, heterosexual, born-again Christian. And that's what you'll typically get in almost every job. Oh, he's born again. I heard him say it. So what? The Bible says, by their fruits you shall know them. And if you doubt that, go up to cuttingedge.org and scroll down on the left-hand column and click on Fruits and Bush. And it's a documentation of all of his wicked, evil fruits since he's been in office. And not only that, you can go back before that. Or if you doubt that, then go to bushrevealed.com and see more of his actions documented. These aren't things that have been made up. They're just facts. Um, David Qual, a former top White House advisor in the Bush administration, reveals in his new book, Tempting Faith, the Bush White House team sneers and jokes about evangelicals so easily deceived by the president. Qual presents evidence that the Bush people view Christian evangelical leaders in their flocks as ridiculous, silly, nuts, and even insane. To the Bush people, Christianity is a farce, and the Christians are easily duped idiots. I agree. I mean, I don't call them real Christians. I call them pretty much pseudo-sheep. Um, but that's how the people in the government view us. And you know something? As much stuff as I've documented, and as much stuff as out there, I can't blame them. I can't blame them one bit for, for viewing Christianity that way. They are easily duped idiots. The Bible says speak evil of no man, but, but the Bible doesn't say anything about... There, there's a big difference between evil and truth. If you are an easily duped idiot, and that is the truth, well, I'm sorry, that's the truth. Was I at one point a duped idiot by in, 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 in comparison to these standards? Yes, I was. I was. Um, after I got saved, and I got into the whole charismania thing, and I got into the whole... Oh, Benny Hinn's a man of God. And I believed this junk for a long time. I didn't know any better. It's all I'd ever known. And then I, and then God started showing me. Now, God in his mercy let me go through that so I could ultimately, I believe, end up helping others. But if you really want the truth, I believe God will show you the truth. The problem is, 
is the evidence that I see is that the people really don't want the truth. And they won't humble themselves before God. Let me read this verse real quick. I, I read part of this verse, but I, but I read the whole verse um, yesterday. Actually, is it the end of this? Because it's a really awesome verse. Um, th- th- this really, to me, it sums, it sums things up. Now, I've, I've gone into this a lot lately with, with a lot of our teachings. How important is truth? I mean, truth is, is what sets you free. Truth is how you get saved. You mean, you can't be deceived about the gospel and get saved. You can't believe that you're saved by works and get saved. You can't. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm born again. But, yeah, I'm saved by my works. You're not saved. You, you, you have to believe truth in order to be set free, in order to have your eyes open, in order to get saved. It all hinges on truth, every bit of it. Proverbs 3. Um, well, let's just start the, start that chapter real quick. My son, forget not thy law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. Okay, now again, this is about, it says, forget not my law, but let my heart keep my commandments. Okay, now granted, in this dispensation, we're, under, we're not under the quote, Jewish Levitical law, but this is our law book. This is our book that we follow. Forget not that my law, for me wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way, by taking heed thereto according to thy word. Okay, well, we know that this is the case. It says, forget not thy law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. That's why it's important to memorize the scripture. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add unto thee. So that's a benefit, I would say. That's a pretty good thing. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. Wow. It says, let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Mercy and truth. Okay, so you always want to have mercy whenever you're put in a position to show mercy. I mean, that's just a given, okay? The, the uh, Mercy would also have to do with forgiveness. Mercy, the Bible says that if you do not forgive your brother, how you're not going to obtain forgiveness from your father, which is in heaven. So you, you forgive... You show mercy on others, even if they've been bad to you. The Bible says by doing such, you lay coals of fire on their head. In other words, you, you would also make them guilty. By the, by if you are, are, are if, you're, if you reward good for evil, then that's one of the highest things you could do for Christ is to reward good for evil. Somebody's treated you bad, you reward them with good. Okay, but, and that's all through the New Testament. So it says, but it says, let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck, write them upon the table of thine heart. So that you're so that you're merciful, but you're also walking in truth. You could be merciful and be deceived. You could be the most merciful person on earth and still be deceived. Now, that's a sad thing. But I think there's a lot of people that have been born that have been merciful, but that yet they didn't operate in truth and they went to hell. So you have to have mercy and truth. It's a package deal. So shall thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of the Lord. Okay, so if you want to find favor and good understanding, then pray for mercy and truth. Pray for mercy and truth to operate through your life in every way, shape, and form. Okay, well, I would say there's a lot of benefits here to that. I mean, it's all good to me. <coughs> Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not in thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Okay, so that's another thing. You acknowledge him in all your ways, and then it says, then he shall direct your paths. 
You trust in Him with all your heart. You don't lead on your own understanding. Be wise not in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord. We always talk about fearing the Lord. Depart from evil. He shall be health to thy navel, merit of thy bones. Honor the Lord thy God with the substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. That applies today. I believe as it did then. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty and possess, and thy presses shall burst out of with new wine. My son despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. Now again, the Bible says if you be without chastisement, then you're bastards. Okay, so so that's not a good thing. If you see somebody living like the devil who says there's a Christian, which is really 99% of what we've got going on in Christianity, because even though it may not be overt where they're going out and getting drunk and, 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 and having illicit affairs, they're still totally departed from the faith. They're in an apostate church, reading the wrong Bible, in a 501c3 corporation, being fed feel-good sermons every week. They're not being told the truth, or they're only being told a little sliver of the truth with all the other truth being omitted. Well, that's that's a scary position to be in if you're not being chastened. You know? Um, For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as a father, the son in whom he delighteth. Happy is the man that findeth wisdom, the man that getteth understanding. Okay, so happy is the man that findeth wisdom, and getteth understanding. See, it's always talking about, especially in Proverbs, truth, wisdom, understanding, knowledge, seeking these things. I don't see a lot of it going on in today's modern day church. I really don't. Personally, with the advent of the internet, it's not that hard to find. Now, you go back 30 years ago, this this information that I'm presenting right now would have been hard to find, no doubt about it. You would have had to have really read a lot more in the way of books. Um, But see, this information explosion has been a double-edged sword. There's been a lot of wickedness that's been promulgated, but there's also been a lot of truth that's come out. And this is like what we're going over today. So... um, they view us, they view the typical Christian as an idiot. Total idiot. These so-called, the so-called Christian right that Bush represents, they view us as basically idiots. I don't blame them. I really don't. Uh, well, from what they've got away with, which is basically murder, and there's been no real Christian outcry, there's been no, um, you know, the, the ones that are wanting, what, Oh, Mr. Fly's taking the cleanup. Oh, no, I'm not recording any of this. Yeah, actually it was recording, but I don't know if it was getting it. it my, my, my mic was over there. Um, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry, I kind of got messed up there in my recording for a minute. Um, so... Um, then it goes on in this article, and it says, George W. Bush is many intellect- Texas politicos could easily tell you, had quite a reputation back in the Lone Star State for both his sexual misconduct and his snorting loads of white powder cocaine up his nose. The man never held a real job. He shirked the National Air Guard duties, having joined the Guard in the first place only to evade serving in Vietnam. Bill Clinton dodged military service, too, by running off and hiding in England, but Bush hid in plain sight in the Air Force National Guard uniform. Uh, It's great to have friends in high places to help out in time of need, isn't it? Bush and Clinton are alike in other aspects as well. Both used the White House as a whorehouse. Bill did sexual things, um, I'm not even going to say that, uh, while George had his muscular boy-man homosexual lover, Jeff Gannon, stay over many a night in the White House. Now, I don't know if you guys heard of Jeff Gannon. You ever heard of Jeff Gannon? Well, Jeff Gannon is a, is a gay, male, um, 
He's got his own website. It's called like U.S. Military Serviceman Porno King dot com or something, and he has naked pictures of him up on the internet. And he was a um, he was a guy that all of a sudden started appearing in these press conferences when Bush got into office. And he had all the he had all of the passes, but he had no real credentials to be doing any of this. He just like popped up and he started asking the question the president questions in these press conferences. Okay, I, I got up and it says Jeff Gannon stayed in the White House many times. He and young Jeff weren't discussing foreign policy and affairs of state all those times in the wee hours of the morning in the presidential bedrooms. I assure you. Now here's a picture. Now my printer was running out of ink here, so it's not the greatest picture. But it says President Bush raised eyebrows at the White House press conference by kissing homosexual prostitute Jeff Gannon on the top of his head. Gannon was issued press credentials by Karl Rove at Bush's request and attended the sessions. Now here's a picture of him kissing this Jeff Gannon guy. Take a look. And that's Jeff Gannon. He's, a, he's totally bald. He's shaved his head. And he's a, he's a, uh, he's a male, he's a gay male escort. He, you can hire him for two or three hundred dollars an hour and he'll, he'll come and he'll, he'll do his whole gay thing with uh, whoever hires him. And he all of a sudden started showing up at these, at these White House uh, press conferences and asking the president all these questions. Where did this guy show up at? Who is he? This really happened. So this is how flagrant Bush was. I need that back, dear, when you're done. Oh. Yeah, he's, so he's kissing, he's kissing him right here. Um, this photo shows George Bush affectionately embracing male prostitute Jeff Gannon at the White House after a presidential press conference. Other photos picture Bush winking at and actually kissing Gannon. For, for more information, go to the Internet, go to, go to Google.com and search for Jeff Gannon or Talon.com. Now, I will warn you, if you search for Jeff Gannon, you're probably going to get to his porn site. So be careful, please. Gannon quickly disappeared after these photos came out. Now, here's another picture of him hugging old Jeffy boy there in, a, in a, an affectionate embrace. I was going to go up onto that Talon.com and see if there was any other pictures, because there's, there's a boatload of proof on this. So now, could you imagine how... I mean, Bush here... We're basically, we've got all this evidence now that, that he's a rabid sodomite, homosexual, yet he is actually considered the head of the modern-day Christian right movement in America. That's how deceived and duped these so-called pseudo-Christians are. I mean, I, I can't even hardly comprehend this. Yes? Is this Bush's son? No, that's, that's his gay male prostitute Jeff Gannon lover. I thought it was his son. No, it's not. It's not, dear. Let me have that back. Thank you. Yeah, I don't think he does. Uh, he's got daughters. Since assuming the presidency, George W. has surrounded himself with gay men. The White House is jokingly referred to as the Pink House by the gay community. First, there's Karl Rove, Bush's campaign chief. Rove's father was gay, and Rove himself is a queer. According to Fox TV News, Karl Rove smiled knowingly when a Fox TV reporter asked him about a special nickname the president lovingly has for him. Now, I've heard this on many, many, many occasions. There is a special nickname that Bush has for Karl Rove. President, I'm just going to say this once, President calls me Turd Blossom. And then they said, why does he call you this? And then he said, quote, please, let's not go there. Now, I've heard this more than once. This isn't the first time I've, I've heard this. George W. Bush often c 
commends male visitors to the White House for their fabulous clothing. He told Canadian Prime Minister that his young male press advisor was, quote, gorgeous. Bush appointed Ken Melman, a Jewish homosexual, as the chairman of the Republican National Committee. Think of it, a homo as the head of the entire Republican Party. Isn't that ironic? And then you wonder why they would call the Christians idiots. Because they've let them get away with this. They've turned their, oh, oh, I heard him say he was a born-again Christian. Oh, okay, I'll just, I'll just ignore everything else he's doing. I'll ignore all of his fruits. But, but he can deceive me with his lips. <laughs> Bush also named his gay roommate at Yale University, where he was a member of the Skull and Bones Society, Bush. He also nicknamed his gay roommate, um, Tennessee's Victor Ash, as ambassador to Poland. Uh, as global AIDS coordinator, another ambassador rank position, Bush chose homosexual activist Mark L. R. Dibel. Secretary of State Condoleezza Rice administered the oath of office to the new appointee, to this new gay appointee, recognizing Dubel's gay lover and living partner, Jason Condi, Condoleezza Rice, who's a reputed lesbian dominatrix. You know what that means? They, she, they, they, she dresses up in leather and she, and she, um, with whips and chains and they dominate men. That's called a dominatrix. Okay, that's what Condoleezza Rice they're saying. Now, I mean, all you gotta do is take one look at Condoleezza Rice to that, that fits the bill. I'm sorry, that woman's evil. And, and so, Condoleezza Rice, reputed lesbian dominatrix, even permitted the, the ambassador's homosexual partner, Jason, to hold the Bible upon his home, uh, on, to hold the Bible upon his homosexual pal, I think I skipped a line there, Victor Ash. Later, as President of the United States, Bush appointed his old friend, Ashy Ambassador to Poland. Now, here's the picture of Secretary of State Connelly Rice swears in sodomite Mark L. Dubel as, as Bush's global AIDS coordinator. Well, I, that would make sense. First Lady Laura Bush looks on, and Dubel's gay partner, Jason, holds the Bible. And it shows his gay partner, I mean, this guy, the, look at that. The, the picture right there. And I like this article because he's backing it up with a lot of pictures. Condoleezza Rice is administering this oath of office. His gay male lover is holding the Bible. I mean, and all this is going on in plain sight of the Christians. And there's no, there's no outcry in America. Um, you know, they're slaughtering babies by the thousands every day, which is really the chief abomination that's going on every single day. We've got all these sodomites in high office and they're claiming to be Christians, and it's like, how blind, how blind can we possibly be in this country to have this going on? There's no outcry from any of the big boys, Dobbins, Benny Hinn, Rick Warren, Bill Hybel, no, they don't even talk about any of this stuff. Bush is a good man, we need to support him in the war, he's a Republican, he's a born-again Christian. i tell you... The more I see of this, the more I want out of here. I, I just do. I, I, I just, I don't want any part of this because this is like, come out from among here, lest ye be partakers of her plagues. The plagues are coming. I really believe that. No, they don't. So, um, President Bush has more homosexuals in his administration than Bill Clinton ever did, and he's more accommodated with their quote special needs. For example, Bush appointed a queer to be the new ambassador to Romania. Then approved the man's sodomite live-in lover to fly off with him to the U.S. aircraft carrier in Bucharest. Um, 
to the U.S. In a, in a U.S. aircraft to Bucharest, the capital of that nation, where the gay ambassador and his new lover now contently shack up together in the embassy leased mansion at the U.S. payer's tax expense. The two sodomites even attend official functions together. I wonder what the leaders and citizens of Romania think about that. Homosexuals love the Bush's Supreme Court nominees. Bush's biggest coup was his recent choice to be the new Chief Justice of the U.S. Supreme Court, John Roberts, who is a gay judge. Now, I didn't know this. Do you know that? This, his new, his new um, Supreme Court Justice, John Roberts, is gay. Is not only a queer himself, but he's an infamous attorney who represented the entire homosexual community of America in the notorious landmark court case, Romer v. Evans, in 1996. I didn't know this. In which all the state laws forbidding acts of sodomy were declared unconstitutional. This is what our Supreme Court judge at the very, 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 very top, we've got a sodomite at the very, very top. How far off could judgment be? Because we know always that sodomy and that homosexuality is the one sin that always precipitates God's judgment. It always, and then child sacrifice. we got both going on right now. We've got that going on through the abortion industry, and we've got the sodomites in high places ruling over the masses. I'm telling you, judgment cannot be that far off. The depraved Judge Roberts is so fanatical in his support of sodomy and gay rights, he even fought the case for his limp-wristed buddies on a pro bono basis. In other words, he did it for free. He felt so wonderful about things. He fought them for free. He didn't even charge the groups a dime for services. Now that's real devotion to the cause. And, and I'll tell you what, if the typical Christian were half as committed to truth and to really living and operating in truth as the average homosexual was, we'd turn the whole country upside down. And I say half as committed because homosexuals are much more zealous in promoting sodomy and homosexuality as is the typical witch or warlock that's involved in the occult. They're much more zealous about their faith than the typical Christian because the typical Christian is basically in a mode where Satan has them saying, oh, you don't got to do nothing, you don't got to change a thing, you're good, you're lukewarm, you're fine, God loves you just the way you are, They're, don't worry about it, you're good. Whereas the typical sodomite or homosexual realizes that in order to further his own agenda, it's going to take a lot of effort, he's going to have to be zealous for his faith. Whereas the typical Christian doesn't have that same conviction in this country. They don't have it. Because the, because the pastors are lying dumb dogs, for the most part. Let's see if I can find that verse real quick. Okay. But you said Dobbins is... is hold, James Dobson? Okay. He has a magazine called Citizen. And he's lifting up James... John Roberts is, is a wonderful man of God. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, that's how duped we are. I mean, it's it's incomprehensible. In, in fact, I'll be honest with you. I was having this conversation with uh, Doug, and I've gotten to the point where I've really stopped sending out a lot of the emails. I've been I, I'm not up on the computer near as much as I was because it's almost to me. I've gotten to the point where I, I don't see anybody reacting anymore. Really, off what I'm putting out. Um, doesn't matter how much truth. I've done this for years. Years and years I've done this. Um, and I, you know, I'm sorry. I just don't see um, any kind of real outrage. I, I don't, I'm not great. I don't know what a person's reaction is getting my email. 
And I do get some encouraging emails. I'm not say, saying that. And I'm not saying everybody's totally apathetic. But, you know, you get to a point where it's like, um, you know, why am I bothering? You know, um, I'm not saying I've totally got there yet, but I'm not putting out near what I put out before because I just don't see it... I don't see the the um, the effort that I that I'm that I put forth in the past being effort that's that's really um, worth it. I just don't. I mean, I just don't see it. The Bible says in Jeremiah twenty three verse one, it says, and this is this is this is the day and age we're living in. Woe be unto the pastors that destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, saith the Lord. Well, praise God. That is America, right there. Woe be unto the pastors that destroy and scatter the sheep. They don't destroy... What, what are they destroying and scattering? They, they're destroying and scattering the sheep. They're destroying... Now, what are the sheep? The sheep are, as Jesus talked about, that, that um, you know, there's a shepherd and then there's the sheep. Well, the pastor is the representative of Christ on this earth that is supposed to guide the sheep. But the problem is, is the Bible says that the hireling, the, 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 the pastor that's doing it for the money, has no real love for the sheep. He's not a true shepherd. And, uh, and so the hireling doesn't have any true love, and they don't care. Well, well when you don't have any true love, you're going to destroy your, your flock. You will destroy it. Okay. Well, I didn't mean to, God, when he stands at the judgment seat of Christ. I didn't mean to. It wasn't really my... But see, God can see into our hearts. He knows what's really in there. We don't really... We can deceive ourselves our whole lives thinking that, that we've, well, we've tried our best and we've done this and we've done that. But if it doesn't line up with this book, then we've fallen short. Now, I'm not saying there's not room for God's mercy and that God wouldn't forgive these pastors if they repented. But there's no, there's no desire to repent. They think that they're doing God's service. And yet, they actually do Satan's service. Woe be unto the pastors that destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, saith the Lord. And there's an exclamation mark there. Now, you don't see that a lot in the Bible. Think about it. You don't really see a lot of exclamation marks in the Bible. I mean, if I said this in, in, a normal, in, in the tone that I'm supposed to, I'd be screaming it. Therefore, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, against the pastors that feed my people, my people, well, you know, my people right now would be Christians, most you know, I mean, great, I'm not saying he's done with the Jew, but they're not his people until they get converted. Okay? <clears throat> Ye have scattered my flock and driven them away. Now, hold on here. Scattered my flock. What are we doing here? Have we not been scattered, everyone in this room? For this very reason, because of the pastors, they, they won't preach hard enough, they won't preach the truth, they want to live in lies, and they want to placate, they want to stay in their 501c3 organizations, and they want to read their false versions. Isn't that the reason we're all here now? I'm not a pastor. But in a way, I'm more of a pastor than they're ever going to be. I shouldn't be in this position in a way. I'm not qualified biblically to be a pastor. I am not the husband. I don't have one wife. Where I'm, I, I, there are certain things that I don't fill that bill. But you know something? I've been fortunate in this position. I praise God that I'm, I'm, I'm able to do this. But the reality is, is if the pastors were doing their jobs, I wouldn't have to be doing this. But I do praise God I'm in this position. Don't, don't get me wrong. I love what I do. Yes? Taylor, I am right in the middle of this sermon. Great. Show me later. Okay, so, it says, You have scattered my flock, 
driven them away, and have not visited them. Okay, so they, they, they scatter the flock, they drive them away. Now, I guarantee you, there's a lot of people right now out in the world, in America, just like me and you, that are on their own, that aren't meeting at all with anybody. Because they've been in, put in the same position. Now, they may not be at the same level of truth that we're at, as far as being shown what's really going on. Does that mean that we're better? No, it doesn't mean that at all. But at least they've, they've come out from among them and be separate. I mean, it's a sad state of affairs when 2 Corinthians uh, uh, 6.17 applies, Wherefore, come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Okay, well... It's a sad state of affairs when you have to come out of the very institution of, of so-called Christianity to, and be separate so that we're not touching the unclean thing. But that's the state of affairs we're in. I mean, you go and if you're a member of the typical church congregation, you're in the midst of an unclean thing. You are. You are there in the midst of an unclean thing. You're in the midst of a corporation, number one. Corporation? 501c3? Oh, board of directors, deacons, CEO is the, the, is the uh, pastor? What's up with that? What does it say to do that in the Bible? And then you got the false Bible versions, and then all the other junk that's going on that goes along with it, the Christian rock music and the and the immodest dress and the and the um just the deception that they're operating, the wrong Bible versions that they're reading, the lukewarmness. You've got all these things, dynamics going on in the church that make the church an unclean thing. So in other words, in order in order to almost be right with God in America, you have to come out of that thing. Now, I'm not saying God wouldn't send you in there from time to time to kind of, lest we be ignorant of Satan's devices, but don't stay in it. Don't stay in it. Because if you stay in it, you'll start to become it. You cannot immerse yourself in an environment and not start to become like that, or at least have it start to influence you. I mean, I feel better since I've come out of the church than I've ever felt in my life. Okay, does that mean I think I'm living in sinless perfect? No, it doesn't mean that at all. I mean, the more I live, the more I realize, oh, what a wretch of a man that I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? And that I do deserve death. And that, and that, and that praise God, Jesus Christ, through his shed blood, offered me the gift of eternal life, salvation through his blood, through his shed blood, that, that I might obtain eternal life. I praise God for that. But if you're in this church, and I was for a lot of years, and, and we all were, the problem is, is I don't see it as, I see it a lot more clearly now than when I was even in it. And we were in good, I mean, by today's standards, we were in pretty good churches. I mean, by today's standards. But when I came out of it, it was like, why did I stay in it as long as I did? I mean, knowing, seeing what I see now, why, what was I thinking? But see, you were in it. You were in it. So it wasn't as apparent. Because you were in it, and it's easier to go along something when you're in it. But when you get outside of it, you can look at it and say, Ooh, it's like that expression, too close to the forest to see the trees. Okay, so, I mean, and I was really in it. I mean, you talk about charismania, the whole nine yards. I was, woo, I, I was off in left field, chasing fly balls. So it says, you have scattered my flock and have driven them away and have not visited them. Behold, I will visit upon you the evil of your doing, saith the Lord. Now see, the Bible says judgment must begin at the house of the Lord. So see, when this starts happening... I believe the Christians are going to be the ones that are most persecuted, the, the pseudo-fake Christians. Although, a lot of the pseudo-fake Christians, I believe, are just going to just turn into bowls of jelly, jump ship and say, okay, whatever, Mr. Sodomite, we'll go your way. We'll, all is peace, all is love. It's, it's, it's all good. We, whatever you want, we'll agree with it. So, 
you know, whether they're really seriously persecuted, I don't really think so, because I think that, that God is going to, um, to, uh, I mean, the Bible says right now they're lukewarm. Okay, he's going to vomit them out of his mouth. Now, I believe that probably the first thing he's going to really cause them to do is really choose up sides. Really choose this day whom you will serve. And I believe that before he really rains down judgment on them, most likely he's going to really force them to really choose. I want to really know what side you're on. And he's going to put them in a position where they've got no choice but to either get really, really, really cold or really, really, really hot. And I think, obviously, right now, if they're operating in the lukewarmness, we know that that's not going to spur them to get on fire for the Lord. Most likely it's going to spur them. And they're going to think they're doing God's service. That's the scary part about it. They're so deceived now that they're going to believe that when they um, w when this comes and when they really go into this Antichrist system, they're going to believe they're doing God's service. The Bible says that. That it says there's going to day that's going to come that says when they kill you, they're going to think that they do God's service. Jesus predicted that in the New Testament. So that's where, where we're heading. Then it says, I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all countries. Hmm. I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all countries, whether I have driven them, and I will bring them again to their folds. So what does this imply? This implies that he is going to gather his remnant out of countries. Now what does that imply for us? That implies that there's going to be some of us that are going to be leaving and, and maybe gathering together with this remnant. I mean, let's face it, if you have a remnant that's really wanting to serve God, they can accomplish more for God, as opposed to them being this disjointed, um, one person here, one person here, one person here, you can unite together in prayer, the Bible says we're two or three, three are gathered together in the midst of them, there I am in the midst of them, um, so you can accomplish more in prayer, um, you can have more of an axe type of church, where, you know, all the people came together, there was, there was none that had lack or need of anything, uh, which is really more biblical, if you think about it. But you don't see that anymore in, in, in the churches. Um, I think that's what we're coming back to. Because the Bible says it right here. I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries, whither I have driven them, and I will bring them again to their folds, and they shall be fruitful and increase. Now, you could just say, because this is addressed to Israel, that this is only applying to Israel. Okay, but there's a scriptural premise here. God is the same today, today, and forever. So... There's a scriptural premise here that would also apply, I believe, apply to the Christian. Because the Jews are still blinded. And it's getting so bad right now that I, I could definitely believe this would happen. Um, and then it says, And I will set up shepherds over them which shall feed them. See, they're going to get finally fed. He's going to actually put a shepherd over them that's not a hireling, that's not doing it for the money, that will actually speak the truth to them and they will actually feed them. And it says, And shall feed them and they shall fear no more nor be dismayed. See, right now, the way the typical church is set up, you have the typical church set up where it would be fear of man, not fear of God. Oh, God's all love. There's no judgment over there. There, you know, it's heaven and hell concept, eh, whatever. And basically, they would, the way, the modern day church, the way it would be set up is that you would fear man instead of fearing God. So, it says they shall fear no more. Well, why? Well, because to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. If you really get that concept straight, if you really are crucified with Christ, if you really are right with Christ, you're not going to fear death. Because I'm not saying that there's going to be no fear of, of being burned together at the stake, but you know something? You're going to be able to handle that way, 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 way better the closer you are to the Lord if you're under the right pastor, if you're under the right shepherd. You're going to be able to handle that concept of worst-case scenario martyrdom 
if you're under the right pastor, as opposed to, can you imagine handling the concept of martyrdom? Do you think martyrdom's preached in, in Rick Warren's church? Well, you know, bless God, I can see old Rick Warren up there, Smiley Joel Olstein in his stadium church. Well, bless God, a lot of us in this stadium right here, right now, are going to be all martyred. We're going we're gonna to be brutally murdered until... Oh, boy, they'd be filing up the doors, man. You know, he couldn't pay for that big globe turning behind him anymore, you know. They couldn't pay the electric bill anymore for that stadium. I know, we need to get one, I know. I, that's why I don't have more people. I don't have the globe. But, can you imagine? Can you imagine if the truth really started being preached in these things? And, and, and I'm not saying we're all going to be pointing to martyrdom, but I think that I'm, I, I'm of the opinion... Hope for the best, prepare for the worst. I mean, I think that's biblical. Hope for the best, prepare. I mean, hope is the thing we have to have. We have to have faith that God can deliver us, that He can get us through worst case scenario. My biggest thing is that if they kill me, one second after they kill me, I'm in glory. Absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Uh, is appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment. I don't want to stand before the judgment seat of Christ ashamed. And I'm not saying if I died right now, I wouldn't stand to shame. Because I'm, I, I don't think that, I mean, I, I fail every day. Um, it's not that I want to willfully fail, but I still battle the flesh. And, um, you know, it's, it's one of those things that it's an ongoing battle with the flesh every single day. And it's a matter of really crucifying the flesh, staying in the Word, in prayer. And this world in America, it, man, it's tough. It, because there's so many distractions. There's so many things that can get you off track here. Uh, but that's still not an excuse. So it says, I will set up shepherds over them, uh, over them, which shall feed them. These shepherds are going to actually feed the sheep, and not, 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 give them, not give them junk food. Right now they're being fed junk food. They're being fed spiritual junk food. And if you put bad gas into a car, you're going to get a bad effect. The, ga- the car is not going to run right. If we put bad food, if we put poison in our body, then our bodies are not going to run right. Well, that's what's happening to the church. They're being poisoned every week. They're being spiritually poisoned. How is this poison manifested? Well, the Bible says a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. So if you get a little bit of sin, if you get a little bit of poison, eventually that poison is going to act like leaven. What does leaven do? It permeates through the yeast and how it causes the whole lump to rise. Well, that's what's happening in the modern day church. We're being leavened. And it's getting worse and worse and worse and worse. And if you're in that thing, you need to get out now. Because if you stay in it and you think you're going to reform it from the inside out, it's not going to happen. It is not going to happen. There's only a remnant that's going to be saved. And they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed, neither shall they be lacking, saith the Lord. Um, let's just go to Jeremiah 3.15. Here. Is your, is your head still stuffy? I found the other half of that pill. That's for, natural pill for headaches. You need your neck adjusted too. Um, sorry about that. Uh, so Jeremiah three fifteen. Jeremiah is an awesome book here. Um, well, here let's just start at verse twelve. Um, and go and proclaim these words toward the north and say, "Return thou backsliding Israel," saith the Lord, and I will not cause mine anger to fall upon you. 
Now, this is how we cause not God's anger to fall on us when we return to Him. When, we, when the prodigal son returned to the father, he didn't, he didn't rain down his fury on him as he was coming begging for forgiveness. He did not do that. Okay? So, that's how you appropriate God's forgiveness. When you return to Him. For I am merciful, saith the Lord, and I will not keep anger forever. Only acknowledge thy iniquity that thou hast transgressed against the Lord thy God. See, you have to acknowledge your iniquity if you've transgressed against God. You can't go back to God and say, well, God, I'm sorry, and just stand silent. Well, you haven't acknowledged your iniquity before God. You haven't admitted that you've done these things. So, you acknowledge your iniquity before God, and then it says, and, the, and have scattered thy ways to the strangers under every green tree. You have not obeyed my voice, saith the Lord. Um... So, then it says, Turn, O backsliding children, saith the Lord, for I am married unto you, and I will take you... Now, isn't that... I mean, there's a biblical application in today's day and age, where we have... The Bible says that you're the body of Christ. Now, Christ being the head of that body. So that is a joining to Christ. Okay, and it also talks about, you know, the marriage supper of the Lamb, the bride of Christ, these types of things. So... um. And then it says, verse 15, I will give you pastors according to mine heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. There it is again. Knowledge and understanding. What does that imply? Truth. It implies truth. Because this type of understanding is truth. Knowledge and understanding. This is what pastors are supposed to do. But they don't do that really anymore. They, they, they preach a partial, perverted half-truth of God. It's not... It's not um, it's not what it should be. Um, Jeremiah 2.8 says, The priest said not, Where is the Lord? And they handle the law, and they that handle the law knew me not. The pastors also transgressed against me. And the prophets prophesied by Baal and walked after the things that do not profit. Sounds like the United States. I mean, the priest said not, Where is the Lord? And they handle not the and they that handle the law knew me not. The pastors also transgressed against me. Now see, when you have a hireling as the pastor, and the hireling Bible says, Jesus said, hireling has no real love for the flock. Well, they, they don't know him. They don't know him. And the prophets prophesied by Baal. Well, that's what you got in charismania. Oh, brother, I got a word of the Lord from you. You be a mighty man of God. You can do mighty exploits. And you know how many times I heard that? Um, it's always something, I'm not saying a person couldn't hear from God. I'm not saying that. But the problem is, here's the problem. These same people that are giving these words of knowledge from the Lord, their own lives are so messed up. And so, I mean, you want to talk about the most messed up people in Christendom are the Charismatics. I know, I know, I have not only been there, I have been around them for years on end. Does that mean I hate them? No. Many of these people are very zealous. But they're very zealous in deception. They're, they're, they're deceived in their zealous. That's how I was when I was one of them. I was very deceived, but I was very zealous. And so many of the charismatics, not only are they deceived, but they're all getting into this Messianic Judaism, Hebrew roots, Yeshua, Yahweh, can't say the name of Jesus anymore, all this other stuff, Jewish mysticism, going back to the Talmud, um, you know, the Jews can do no wrong. They've, they've just, they're totally off in the deep end. 
Well, the Bible says a little leaven, leaven at the whole lump. They're going to get. They're either going to move toward truth or they're going to move away from it. And that's what I see now. So the prophets prophesied by Baal. Well, that's the same thing you have as a witch. You turn on the TV and you have psychic detectives. These psychics that they hire. There's this one new show on now where this woman, she looks like a total freak. Her hair's all spiked up. It's, it's, it's dyed bright red. And she goes around and she just, she, she walks up to people on the street. Oh, did you have a brother that died? Well, yeah, I did. Well, he's talking to me right now. He's on the other side. He just wants to let you know that he's alright and that he's good. And, and then, did you have, um, did, 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 when, when he died, did you have a, were you at odds with him? Were you not on the best terms? And then the guy will start crying. <laughs> yeah, that's true, I was. And, and then basically they'll say, well, she, oh, I want to let you know, he's talking to me now from the other side, and he's telling me that, you know something? Everything's good. Everything's good. He forgives you. It's all, oh, oh, oh. he starts bawling on the street. I saw, I watched the clip of the show the other day. She was going up to all these people she had no contact with before. She's a witch. And Satan's getting the glory, and I'm sick of it. I mean, I was watching this, and I'm like, oh, God, use me. Please, God, use me that you get the glory, that these false prophets of Baal don't get the glory. And people will watch that, and they'll say, oh, that's more real than anything in the Bible, because I can see that. That's the truth. My mom will watch it. Well, how do you explain that, Scott? Well, here's how I explain it, Mom. How do these people know these things? It's called familiar spirits. It's in the Bible, that term, familiar spirits. Well, what's a familiar spirit? A familiar spirit is a spirit that has hung around you or, and or possessed you since the day that you were born. Well, how is that? Because the Bible says that the sins of the forefathers are carried to the third and fourth generation. The Bible says that there's, there, there's a battle going around us constantly, that we battle not against flesh and blood, but against princes, principalities, rules of wickedness in high places, that these spiritual entities are real, that they're encamping around about us, and that we have a battle between good and evil. Now, if you're totally given over to the devil... If you're not even saved, who do you think is going to win that battle? You're not even his kid. You're not even his kid. Now, I'm not saying that person couldn't be saved, but a familiar spirit is a spirit that has hung around you your whole life, has seen your actions, knows how you think, and, and many times can, can have even some foreknowledge of the future. Now, they don't always get it right, because that's why psychics are only right certain percentage of the time. Now, the Bible says in Deuteronomy 18, the true test of a prophet is that he get it right 100% of the time. What was the penalty for not getting it right 100% of the time? Death. That was the penalty. Okay? Now, you've got all these charismatics out there going around giving words of knowledge that aren't even true. I know I've been there. Oh, I've had many words spoken over me. The vast, vast, vast majority of the time, they were never right. Well, now, I know we're not in your Testa Old Testament times, but the penalty for that in the Old Testament would have been death. Well, then who are they hearing from? They're not hearing from God. That's how serious this is. But they don't view it that way. They're like, ah, oh, you know, put out a word it out. Do you understand what the penalty was that for in the Old Testament? Do you understand, potentially, the level of deception that you're under because you're doing this on a frequent basis? You're not hearing from God. Most likely, you're not hearing from God. Well, that's a very, 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 very bad position to be in. Because the Bible says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly, then in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed. Who are they taking heed from? Seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy. Could these false prophecies be the lies they're speaking in hypocrisy? Because they are lies for the most part. And then it says, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. See, that's why you can't tell a charismaniac hardly anything. 
because they won't receive knowledge. Oh, no, no, I, I hear from God directly. Well, what if, if you say what you're hearing contradicts the word of God, and you don't even pass the test of a prophet, how are you hearing from God? Well, I've got it right 50% of the time. The Bible says you've got to get it right 100%. And if the devil can give you words of knowledge and you get it right 50% of the time and can take you to hell, what does he care? And then can use you as a tool to take other people to hell by getting involved in false religion. What does he care? He doesn't care how he gets you to hell as long as he gets you there. That's what I tell people about the devil. That's his goal. Get you to hell. So, um, I'm just going to do... I'm going to go into this a little bit further because there's several verses we can we can go to here. Um, um oh, it, it's it's unbelievable. Uh, Jeremiah ten twenty one. See, I've highlighted this Bible in such a way where I can just do a study right off the bat, because I have all the verses that relate to one another. Um, well, Jeremiah 10.21. Um, <laughs> For the pastors have become brutish. Now, what does that mean? That means, brutish means stupid as a beast. That's what it means. That's the definition. And have not sought the Lord. Therefore, they shall not prosper, and all their flocks shall be scattered. Well, that's what's going to happen soon. Behold the noise of the brewery, which is a rumor or a noise, is come, and a great commotion out of the north country to make the cities of Judah desolate in the den of dragons. I know, O oh Lord, I know that the way of the man is not in himself. It is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. O oh Lord, correct me, but with judgment. Not in thine anger, lest thou bring me to nothing. So see, this guy was in the right mindset. This is the mindset the church needs to be in. He's actually asking for correction. Now, if you were God, if you were a father, if you were a mother and dad, and your child comes to you and they've messed up, and they admit it, and they said, Mom or Dad, I need to be corrected. How would you react to that? I, Mom, I need to be punished. I need to be corrected. I, I, need, I, need, your, I need your righteous judgment. But, but please don't do it in your anger. How are you going to be mad at him if that's his attitude? I mean, most people just lie. They get in a position where, you know, they are put in a corner um, and, and their sins brought... They just lie. wasn't me. wasn't me. No, it was that... Oh, it was because I was brought up this way or, 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 or I was abused when I was a child. It doesn't matter. That doesn't give you a right to sin. Most people don't want to take responsibility for nothing. But, if you go... Like, I was having this conversation with my dad the other day. I've been pulled over... I mean, not lately, but when I was... Even before I was saved, and when I would get pulled over by a cop, I would agree with them. You're right, officer. I deserve a ticket. I was speeding. I'm sorry. Sorry. I never got tickets. They let me off every time. Except for one time when I did a U-turn on, on Alligator Alley right in front of a cop. And I admitted that to him too, but I probably could have got worse. That was before I was saved. But cops don't know what to do when you're honest with them. They're like, oh, okay. And I mean, I messed up. Bad. A few times. Driving. Real bad. Stupid. Dumb stuff. 
They let me off. I, I agree with them. I agree with the judge. You're right. They don't know what to do. Most people, they're used to... If you've ever watched any clips of cops on shows, this show called Cops, where they get the, 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 the criminals, all they do is lie. Oh, officer, no, no, it wasn't... It's just... You know, part of me has sympathy for, for cops from that standpoint. They've got to deal with this dirtbag mentality all the... It would drive me nuts. I couldn't stand it. I have a hard enough time just re seeing what's in the world. But these guys they're dealing with, I mean, they all lie constantly. It's just... Uh, and that's America. That's what we're taught to do, man. Just lie, lie, lie. Lie like a rug. It, it makes me sick. I can't even watch those shows because I get so mad. I, I can't... I, I hate it. It doesn't mean I think I'm better. It's just that it's 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 just disgusting how they lie. Um, now, let's just go. This is Jeremiah 11. Now, this is one of the the, the, the things that I talked about before when we were talking about the sin unto death. Um, <clears throat> let's just start verse nine. And the Lord said unto me, A conspiracy is found among the men of Judah, and among the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Now, this is no different than it is today. Conspiracy. And that's what this is, really. It's, it's like a, a conspiracy in plain view, though. But they are, they are turned back to their iniquities of their forefathers, which refused to hear my words. And they went after other gods to serve them. The house of Israel and the house of Judah have broken my covenant, which I made with their fathers. Therefore, thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will bring evil upon them. That's what's coming. Which they shall not be able to escape. And, and though they shall cry unto me, I will not hearken unto them. Now, this is where we get into the sin unto death. Well, how could God not hearken to my cry? Because you've habitually and repetitively, over time and time again, through God's mercy, said, I don't care, I don't care how much mercy you extend to me, God, I'm still going to live like the devil, and I'm going to keep sinning, and I'm not going to change. God will get to a certain point where you cross a line, and that's it, you're done. That is, I believe, the sin unto death. It's repetitive, habitual sin over and over where God, you finally cross some imaginary line that I don't know where it's at, only God does. And, and then it says, I will not hearken to their cry. Then shall the cities of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem go and cry unto the gods whom they offer incense. They shall, but shall not save them at all the time of their trouble. Well, what was the reason for doing this? Well, God wanted to see, God wanted to finally put them and pigeonhole them in a position where they were either gonna, they were either gonna repent or they were gonna, or they were gonna wholeheartedly trust in their idols, their pagan idols, in order to save them. It says it right here. It says, they shall cry unto their gods, gods, small g, not God, unto whom they offer incense. But they shall not save them at all in the time of trouble. God's going to show them. God's going to show them. You want, you want to be this way? Well, okay, I'll let you have it your way. For according to the number of thy cities were thy gods, O Judah, and according to the number of the streets of Jerusalem, have you set up altars to that shameful thing, even altars to burn incense unto Baal. Well, Baal, I mean, you're, t you're talking human sacrifice. You're talking um, Satan, basically, in the flesh. You're talking sodomy. Um, you know... They, they, it sounds like they basically had altars on every street to Baal. See, Satan's a cruel taskmaster. He'll, he'll drive you like a whip. He'll drive you with a whip. You're going to have to do all this religious stuff to appease him. Then it says in verse 14, Therefore pray not thou for this people, neither lift up a cry or a prayer for them. For I will not hear them in the time, in the time that they cry unto me for their trouble. See, this is about where I'm at. I hate to say it. 
Does that mean I think I'm so much better? No, it doesn't. But I'm about here, and I can't help the way I feel. I'm about with America anymore. I'm about right here. Pray not follow. I mean, you give them, and you warn them, and you warn them, and you warn them, and there's just apathy. Whatever. Doesn't matter. No, nothing's going to change. It'll be fine. Yeah. I don't really got to lift a finger. You know, everything's okay. I, I'm just, I'm sick of it. I really am. I, I, that's how I feel. I'm not saying that that's 100% biblical, but I'm, that's how I feel. Pray not, pray thou not for this people. They don't want to change. If somebody really wants their sin, what good are your prayers really going to be? I mean, God's still going to give them a free will. He's not going to kick the door down to their heart, like Melvin Sisson says. If they really, really, really want it that way, I, are your prayers really going to change? I mean, there gets to a certain point. Now, I'm not saying you start out in that mindset, but I don't know. I think this is about where we're at in this country. I really do. Does anybody in this room think that there's going to be a massive revival and everybody's going to change in and of themselves without God's judgment raining down? I don't think it's going to happen. How could it? The only way anything's going to change is if it gets really, really, really super nasty in this country. That's the only way it's going to change. People never, in, in societies, never ever repent in and of themselves from their sin. They always have, if they're going to repent, they've either got to serve God of a clean and pure heart because they love Him, when it's good or bad, because let's face it, I mean, I would, I think that God looking down on a, on a nation, whether they call themselves Christian or not, He wants you to serve Him. I think it would mean more to God if you serve Him when it, times are good than if it has to get real nasty. I mean, if you had a kid and, 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 and times were good and he served you out of a pure heart just because he loved you, wouldn't that mean more to you than having to have to get really, really, really nasty and him be taken to the bottom of the hog pen for him to finally wake up and, and finally serve you and show that he loves you? Wouldn't it mean more for, for you as a father or as a mother for them to love you and serve you when times are good? Because doesn't that really prove your love more when times are good? I mean, I, that's the way I would look at it. Um, so, I, you know, it's, it's, this is coming. Um, it says... Neither lift up a cry for them, for I will not hear them in the time that they cry unto me for trouble. It says right here, pray not thou for this people. Well, it says that also in 1 John 5. It says, pray not thou for this sin, the sin unto death. I think that's the sin unto death. As close as I can nail that down. Um, <clears throat> just real quick. Yeah. Yeah, it says in verse 15, What hath my beloved to do in my house, seeing she hath wrought lewdness with many, and the holy flesh is passed from thee? When thou doest evil, then thou rejoicest. So, if you see people who call themselves believers, and they're doing evil, even if they're, even if they're not, I don't, know, I don't want to say they're not fully aware, because I don't want to give them that much credit. But that's what's going on in the churches. They're doing evil, and yet they think they do God's service. They're, they're rejoicing. Um, it, it's, it's sad. It, it really is a sad state of affairs. Verse uh, Chapter 14, uh, verse 7 of Jeremiah, 14, verse 7, says, O Lord, our iniquities testify against us. Do thou it for thy name's sake. For backslidings are many. We have sinned against thee. 
Thus saith the Lord unto this people, Thus have they loved to wander. They have not refrained their feet. They love to wander. Therefore the Lord doth not accept them. He will now remember their iniquity and visit their sins. Then said the Lord unto me, Pray not for this people for their good. This is where we're at. This is the sin unto death. When they fast, I will not hear their cry. When they offer burnt offerings and an oblation, I will not accept them. But I will consume them by the sword and by the famine and by the... See, they've crossed this imaginary line. Now, it says in verse 7 that I read, it says, Our iniquity 